Welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Hello and welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie, our weekly podcast. We get you hyped for the sporting weekend in association with Labrooks. And we kind of have good news this week because Mick... It is not the biggest sporting weekend of the year. <laughs> it's a pretty big weekend. Uh, but no, we're big, sandwiched but... in between the two biggest sporting weekends of the year, you could argue, because next weekend is banana. So this week you can just watch like a, a, a conservative four or five games across three different sports over the course of the two days, you know, and only spend 90% of your waking hour watching sport instead of you know, having no sleep and watch, spending 150% of your usual waking time watching sport, which is what we had to do last weekend. Exactly. That's why we're kind of classing that as good news. Someone who, uh, is, who is not a regular listener to the podcast might wonder, why are you, why are you downplaying? Why are you saying it's great news that there isn't that much sport? Because last weekend was, frankly, too much. I didn't know where to turn at some point, especially on Saturday. It was absolutely ludicrous. It was, uh, it was a roller coaster of a weekend in terms of emotions as well, Mick. Mm. I mean... We had especially it was a very as a downward Catholic. roller coaster for for me. I think you you had probably had the biggest high of us all. Though. I was about to say it wasn't really a roller coaster unless you're a Cavan fan, but uh, but within that game it was a roller coaster for most of both Cavan and Monaghan oh, fans. Wow. But like the high, the drama of that there was the Ireland game. Obviously, that was a big disappointment. Uh, on Sunday, I thought pretty much everything was a kind of a disappointment. Donegal and Tyrone was as good as you could expect given the conditions, yeah. um, but there wasn't a whole pile else that was going to grab the headlines, especially if you looked at the soccer, Man United and uh, Arsenal, I think, uh, disappointed. Second weekend in a row, big United games disappointed. That's it. Um, that's maybe, maybe there's something to be learned from that, I suppose. But, you know, I, I thought that Limerick's performance against Tipperary was intriguing and, like, really interesting to me as a hurling fan. But I don't think it was, like, an exciting match. You know, they're two different, you know what yeah. I mean? For the Sunday, for those few hours that you're building up to them, you did that didn't materialize, you know, and I think maybe even the same with Donegal and 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 Throne. It's funny though, in terms of like what sport does to you in your head, like you're still you're literally walking on air because you know, in the last kick of the game in injury time, your goalkeeper kicks, you know, and and this is this incredible win over your fiercest rivals, and nothing can kind of bring you down from that. Whereas my weekend was like Ireland losing the rugby. Uh, Clare losing the football, uh, Aston Villa lose to Southampton at home, and they're just like going, "Oh God, this is Patriots terrible. lose." The Patriots go and lose to the Bills, like despite actually playing well. Annoyingly, like it's like you're almost expecting them to lose. Then they kind of play well. They lose it in the last minute, and I have the Bills minus four picked in in my NFL <laughs> picks here and they win by three so the Patriots still lose I don't get the best of both worlds and I'm just sitting there on Sunday night going I hate this I hate sport I hate it I hate it I hate it and then you get to like Tuesday and Wednesday and you start thinking ahead to next week and how all things might change but uh really does get you down but then I kind of look at you and I'm thinking hmm you know maybe someday I'll have a day like that and it'll all be worth it yeah well they do come along once every 23 years for Cavan anyway um, and like it is that thing though as well that you find it was like the big weekend some of the stuff we'd hyped up we talked an awful lot about stuff on the, sh- on the show obviously last week was a packed show but it's some of the things that you don't actually watch out for I kind of was a bit sheepish about uh, Monaghan and Cavan and bigging it up as something that a neutral might want to watch yet it was probably the uh, game of the weekend in the men's football in Hurland then also Saturday evening I got sucked into Donegal in Dublin in the ladies football championship that had that freak goal from it was a sideway a freak goal from Sinead Heron that hit yeah. the post and dropped in I've never seen anything like it before so it is th- those games maybe that you're not actually uh, often a control of ones that you're not actually paying uh, you know, attention during the week that you're not thinking of Jesus I can't wait for that game to come are the ones that actually end up capturing your imagination. It's like the week, couple of weeks before that, when uh, uh, Geelong got to the uh, AFL Grand Final, and you had the post-match interview as well with uh, Zach Tui. It was like that wasn't on my radar at all. Yeah. Getting up that Saturday morning, and yeah. then all of a sudden, or even and then when straight the, away the, after the, the Grand Final was, was terrible. The Grand Final was on there last weekend, and I watched that on Saturday morning. Then I got up on Sunday morning, and I went, God, it's a pity there is now an Australian sport. I kind of got used to spending my mornings. I turned on, and the NRL Grand Final was on. And I haven't watched a rugby league game, Mark, in about 20 years. And I sat there and watched an absolute thriller. 
when Melbourne Storm won the NRL and I'm going, ah, God. Like, I mean, I really should probably get a life, but at the same time, it's enjoyable. <laughs> but what do we have this weekend? We've got no international rugby coming up this weekend. We've got a little bit of a, a break for that. I think we all could do it after the disappointment of last weekend before the Autumn uh, Nations Cup uh, kicks off in a couple of weeks. The well, we do have something or other. <laughs> the Autumn Cup, the Nations Cup, the something, <laughs> the Six Nations, but different nations. I don't know. Nations um, League, that's back next week as well, believe it or not. Nations League back next week as well. Uh, <laughs> but we do have obviously big uh, weekend in the Premier League. Um, Liverpool are playing Manchester. City on Sunday so we're going to be talking to Kevin Doyle in just a couple of minutes ahead of that game uh, we've also got a massive weekend of course of GEA action we'll be previewing the GEA games later on we'll also have a big shout but we try and win ourselves two cakes and a sports photography and give you the opportunity to win them as well uh, we'll have one two three we'll be playing that with Kevin Doyle and of course Mick we'll have your NFL picks you didn't have a great week last week uh, it's a big week in America. Uh, we also had our uh, election podcast special last week, which uh, got a great reaction. Uh, you know what's funny about the election podcast special, by the way? Everything just seemed like it was horrendous and that, you know, that Trump was going to win at one stage last night. And, uh, you know, you were kind of looking at it thinking, Jesus, all my picks were for Biden. Thinking about the actual picks I made, all of them are still in play as of now, 12.20 on... Uh, on um, Wednesday. Whatever day it is, Wednesday, the day after the election. Now, we don't know what's going to happen still. But funnily enough, even though it seemed like everything was gone completely awry in terms of our predictions, you listen back to that show, mm, you know, maybe Donnie's Trump predictions, are, you know, they're all still alive, funnily enough. Oh, we were all kind yeah, because Donnie's Trump prediction was if he wins, he had his electoral college kind of winning margin or whatever yeah. was the narrowest one, which is what he probably will get if he does yeah. win it. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, of course, yours are also in play because you uh, had predicted, you were, you were like, it's worth uh, looking at every single possible winner margin for Biden because... <laughs> no, the, t- the bottom two. Yeah, the bottom two amounts, yeah. which it will be one of the two of them. So that will work out well if, if it does come in. But I think the, the other one, which was the seven to one shot of him winning force, four of the states, which would be uh, Arizona, Texas, Ohio, uh, Georgia... North Carolina and Florida, I can't remember the, the things, but basically if he, if he wins um, Georgia now, which he's slight, very, very slight favour for, I think that comes through. Wow, well, there you have it. Um, but hopefully uh, you will, uh, your, your, what's the word, your uh, Notre Dame-like ability uh, will carry through to your NFL picks this week and you'll be able to, <laughs> to pull it out of the Nost- bag. Nostradamus, Mark. What did I call him? No, I think you called him Notre Dame, which oh, I think we, I, I think is the is the bo- is, a, he's the uh, mascot who goes around yeah. in South Bend for the Notre Dame Notre fighting Dame. Irish. It's been, a, it's been a long night. Long night. He goes around predicting the results of the games. We should get him on the big shout some week. I was like, what? I, I thought I called him Notre Dame, but there you go. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast by searching the Build Up on Balzadi and all good podcast apps. Please also leave a rating and a review while you're there. It would mean an awful lot to us. But now it is time to chat to Kevin. Dunn ahead of this weekend's Premier League. Kevin, how's it going? Good, lads, and yourselves? Oh, sure, not so bad. Anybody watching on social media, if you've got any questions, comments, or opinions, or whatever it is for uh, Kevin or ourselves, uh, be sure to get involved in the comments. Get involved in the comment section, and we can read them out of the show and put the questions to Kevin. Kevin, I suppose the big one this weekend is going to be Man City against Leicester. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. And just Liverpool, coming out- Mark. Or Man City against Liverpool, I should say. Uh, we'll be talking about that in a few minutes. But uh, just coming off the back of uh, last weekend, I suppose, uh, it was a it was an uneventful enough weekend in the Premier League, except for, I suppose, the Man United-Arsenal game. And more, more, <laughs> more to the point, the kind of argument between Roy Keane and Tim Cahill. Uh, Tim Cahill, obviously, used to play with Mikel Arteta, is kind of bigging him up in terms of the job he's doing at Arsenal. Keen talking about the fact that Crystal Palace went and beat United. You know, it's not all that hard. Uh, he's not exactly the Messiah, as he said. Uh, where do you stand on it? Was it a really good performance by Arsenal or more that United just didn't really show on it? I was hoping we wouldn't talk about Man United, but sure, as we want to talk about. <laughs> Depressing me. No, they were crap. Let's be honest about it. They were crap. Um, and Roy Keane was right in that sense. I think they were both sort of right. They were both uh, making making different different points about the same thing. Um, like, but the main thing was Man United were crap. Where do you put that down to Arsenal doing a certain game plan that 
made my night to play that way. But Arsenal were playing a way that teams wouldn't have done when they came to Old Trafford a few years ago. Like they were pressed high and put them under pressure, and Man United were just falling into the trap. And um, you know, you just every little time we think we turn a corner, and you know, the PSG game, Jesus, you know, and a few signings all of a sudden. You know, I'm a big Cavani fan. Um, and you think, you know, there's a bit of light here, and they look so good in that PSG game to come home then. And it just seems to be the story for the last two years. Um, they just can't put a run of a few good performances together. And, you know, both lads had a valid point. Roy Keane, whenever Roy Keane is doing a Man United game for Sky, they seem to have a shocker as well. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's say, I don't know if the players know or something. And, oh, Jesus, I better play well. Roy Keane's doing the game tonight. He's going to slate me. And then, you know, that brings that pressure itself and have a shocker. Or maybe they don't know. Maybe they don't always say, I, you know, I'm trying to remember playing games. Would you know, you'd, you'd have an idea sometimes who's doing the game and maybe something like that plays on their mind. I don't know, because he's such a big presence. You know, one of Man United's greatest ever players. And he, you know, if you don't play well, he's going to have a proper go at you. So while he's trying to be influential and have a positive impact, his, his criticisms probably do more harm than good because the players just seem to, seem to freeze, seem to... Uh, you know, just a home game like that against Ireland plays so bad, so bad. And um, the manager sitting there, I don't know, it's his, it's his personality, Solskjaer, and he's not the person to be out shouting and roaring, but sometimes you just want him to get up and have a good go at them, you know. And but the camera pans onto him and he's just sitting there and you're like, well, we're not going to get out here, are we? Um, he just looks so depressed and lost sometimes on the touchline. But um, in fairness to him, that's how he looks when they're winning as well. But you just want him to get up and have a roar at them and uh, get him going a bit. And you know, sometimes, as Roy said, it's not tactical. There's a lot of a lot of stuff is tactical, but sometimes it's just about getting out of first gear. You know, Man United didn't look like they ever got out of first gear. Generally, you wanted someone to give him a kick up the ass and just get going. No matter what tactics you put on the pitch, it looked like they were always going to be, you know, second every ball. Not really. Didn't seem like they were up for it. Whether that's tiredness they did have a you know an away game to psg or whatever it's a tough tough place to go and maybe it was in their legs i don't know but it just you know it's i've gone on a long time with the same sort of um commentary i suppose mm. <laughs> over the last year um but yeah uh, fair juice arteta but i'm looking at the league table here and for all tim cahill was saying about arteta and how great arsenal are this season whatever they're mid-table at the moment so you know, if they if, if United had a point and a half okay performance and won that game, they'd have been ahead of Arsenal now. So it's not all rosy there either, but just they just seem to have things more um they don't they don't have a Roy Keane sitting in the studio slating them, I suppose, that more people may be on their side. Do you think that day the Roy like it, it happens a lot with the United games, like I said, he seems to be on all the time and he's always talking about leaders on the pitch and like mm. I'm just wondering if that day ever actually going to come back. Like, is that type of footballer around anymore? Where I, I know there's obviously he can be a leader, show leadership in different types yeah. of ways. But like when they're showing him in the tunnel, it'll be him in Highbury, bending Gary Neville, that kind of uh, being around the place, getting into tackles, all that thing. Like, is that actually like is he is he talking about a, a bygone era nearly at this stage? I think yeah. I don't know if he means that. You know, I think he means someone who's going to you know put in a big fight when when United are. are playing crap in that first 10 or 15 someone who's going to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and put in not shout and roar just put in some tackles start organizing start pointing start shouting at people start getting them going you know um from a tactical point of view leadership start you know leading by example no one in that pitch seemed to you know uh, i don't know really be in charge or be in control or you know have a mindset that listen lads we need to sort it out this isn't good enough i don't think he means his style of in the you know, in the tunnel roaring and shouting and screaming, you know, or sticking up for Gary Neville, as you talk about there. I don't think he means that. I think it is, you know, that was his style. That's not everyone's style. Not everyone, no one, there's very few like that. You know, you look at the great teams over the last few years, whether it's the Madrid's win the Champions League or Liverpool last season, they don't have a Roy Keane shouting and roaring in the tunnel or any of that side of stuff, but they have fellas on the pitch who go about their business very well, are organised, are look like they're up for the game. Um, you know, like Barcelona, you know, as good as they have been over the last 10 years, Lionel Messi and all their team, Lionel Messi isn't going roaring and shouting. He's leading by example. He is a leader. He's putting a performance on the pitch. I think Roy means that. Um, he doesn't mean, you know, he was a unique personality and individual and the way he he got the best out of people was by playing well, but also by, I suppose, intimidation and fear. And and, and not everyone's like that, but I, I just, yeah, I, I, I just think he means going out and, and getting involved in the game really really been in the game and leading by example for might be only two or three minutes when when the game's going against you to break up the play 
you know, leading by example can be, and as cynical as it sounds, you know, going down and winning a free kick and, you know, the, the, the momentum or the tempo of the game is going against it. But being clever enough to go down, slow the game down, get your players around you, get some treatment from a physio, but talk to the players tactically in that few minutes or whatever. Just, you know, clever things. I think that's what he means by showing a bit of leadership, showing, showing, uh, showing a bit of balls and, and showing, that, that, showing, that, showing that it's not good enough to be outplayed at home pretty much week in, week out. Yeah, he talks about the kind of character of a Manchester United player and what's expected of you. I wonder, though, does the manager have a have a part to play in making sure that's expected of them and he's letting them off? But actually, they're playing Everton this weekend. Uh, it's the early game on Saturday. And it becomes very interesting because Everton in themselves are an interesting team to look at because they started off so well. They were like, you know, yeah. they seemed like that they were just going to be a real team to watch this year. And then everything happened with the Derby and, you know, Liverpool lost Virgil van Dijk in that game, but it seems like Everton lost a little bit of their mojo. Do you think all of the reaction and sometimes overreaction to a lot of what happened in that game has had an effect on them, or is it just coincidence? Um, I don't know. Listen, it would, it would take your eye off the ball a bit. You know, all of a sudden, all the questions are not about your fabulous start of the season, but about whether your goalkeeper was out to, to do someone. Um, whether he should be retrospectively banned or whatever, and that's all the, man the manager has to deal with for the next few days. That's all the headlines of the club, not about their you know, very good signings, or what seem to be so far very good signings, going about their business quite well. Still, you know, the fourth in the table win this weekend, and you know, everyone's talking about the good positive side again. So, uh, yeah, every little bit of negativity doesn't help. You know, you always just want to be, if you're, I suppose, everything not used to being so much in the limelight and in the center of attention, you want to be. You want to be just going about your business being spoken about as they had been done the first few games about you know how, how all of a sudden they're sort of i suppose top four contenders which they weren't um at the start of the season they weren't spoken about and then uh, the odd person saying they're top one or two contenders so um they certainly got the manager who could do that but um you know whether they have a big enough larger squad whatever it's a different story but um yeah it, it definitely would take your eye off the ball a little bit just you know, has you you know not concentrating on your football for a few days and having to answer. You know, you, players have to do press and talk about football nearly every day. It could be to someone in the street, or it could be you know in the supermarket, or it could be uh, you know every day there's a press conference. So if every everyone's talking to you about you know your goalkeeper and what mistakes he made and he should be suspended, blah blah blah, blah instead of telling you how good you are, um, just take your eye off eye off the ball maybe. Um, so to have an experienced manager who has seen everything and done everything and should be get their minds back on it. And, you know, again, so the fourth, what are they? They're three points off the top of the table. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, you get a win at the weekend, all of a sudden they might be joining top. Uh, obviously, the big game this weekend, Man City against Liverpool. Uh, I was going to say Jurgen Klopp is left with a bit of a selection headache now because of the performance of Diogo Jota. But he specifically last night said at the press conference he doesn't like talking about selection headaches or he doesn't like to call them a headache. Uh, but it, like, whatever he wants to call it, he has a choice, a decision to make now about whether he goes with the man in form, Jota, or sticks with what he knows and someone obviously who's proven at that level against Man City in Bobby Firmino. Uh, or maybe he throws something to Spanner in the works and tries and accommodate all four of them somehow in the team. Yeah, I doubt he'll do the all four. I just think, you know, as he, you know, his side of things, it is positive. You know, they didn't have that last season, really. Um, if one of the three was injured, that was a lot of the, the worry for Liverpool. Um, and now they're four into three. There's always going to be one of them a bit out of form. Or, you know, it's not just between Firmino and Jota as well. You know, there's the other two. Um, he can sort of play in any of those roles and... They can fill in for each other. You know, there's going to be injury suspensions out of the three of them. They're going to be off form. I wouldn't just say it's Firmino against Jada. Um, I, if I had to pick for the weekend, I would go with Firmino. Um, I think he's been there, done that. He's a top player. He's, it's not like he's, you know, going through a bad spell of form or anything like that. Just, you know, just just won the league with Liverpool. And if you were him and coming to a big game against Man City, probably their biggest game of the season so far. And to be left out, you'd be a little bit annoyed so early in the season. Listen, I've been here and won the Champions League with you, I've won the league with you last season, and now, you know, seven games into the season, you're dropping me for new guys. So, um, you can, you know, if he's spun, has been rested or, you know, um, 
whatever it might be. But it would be this early in the season, it's not been rested, it would be dropped. So I would go with Firmino, I would stick with it. Um, you want a sense of loyalty in the team. Um, you know, you're not, you're not loyal forever. And if it was later on in the season, if you hadn't been playing well for a long time, you might say, listen, we're, we're going to play a job. But I think this early in the season, you stick with, you stick with your proven, um, proven world-class players. I know we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to get predictions for this in one, two, three in, in, in a couple of minutes, but I suppose the other end of the pitch for Liverpool, that's the kind of bigger question, you know, and you see Gabriel Jesus is back, you know, scoring um, last night and, you know, uh, all the, suddenly City have options again there and in the attack and Liverpool just don't have that and, you know, you know, Guys can come in and get man the matches and stuff like that, but at the, over the course of you know suddenly playing Manchester City with really only Joe Gomez as a kind of a senior centre half, like how vulnerable do you think Liverpool will be uh, to that kind of like Pep Guardiola attack? Yeah, I don't know. Um, they're just the well organised midfield. They sort of you know they're not sitting deep and defend. They defend from the front, Liverpool. So. I don't think it affects them maybe as much as others. They went away to Atlanta in the Champions League and, yeah. you know, played excellent. There was no problem there. And it's a top Italian side. So I don't think um, I don't think it's going to be in Man City and firing on all cylinders. I don't think it's going to be a biggest thing this weekend. Um, maybe over the course of the season that'll come more into play. Um, but I think right now they'll be full of confidence. As I said, they defend from the front, which takes the pressure off the centre halves. Um, They've got still got pace there at the back, so you know, I I would I I wouldn't be too worried about it if them if they conceded a load of goals in the last few weeks or whatever, and it, you know you think it was catastrophic uh, since Van Dijk left. It hasn't been at all. Um, actually played a bit better. So um, yeah, no, I wouldn't be too worried about it. It's more you know more worried about if I was a Man City fan, are, are they really going to start getting going? Um, and it's going into predicting results and as we are in that one. I think we might see a bit more life in Man City in this game. Um, I say going away to, to Italy midweek for Liverpool, you know, I, I, I think Man City might might get a result in this one. Well, just as you mentioned it, it is, of course, uh, anyone who is watching this for the first time or listening for the first time, uh, Liverpool and Man City is part of Labrooks 1-2-3 this weekend at labrooks.com. It's their weekly game where you can win yourself €100 cash by correctly predicting the score of three of this weekend's matches. It is one of the featured games. Uh, So, Kevin, we want to get your score prediction for it. Who's you think Man City might get a result, but what's the score going to be? I'm going to go for a 2-1 Man City win. Um, Yeah, I just... It's now well, not that's now or never saying. I just feel they need to they need to show a bit of life, Man City. It's a big, big game. It's a bigger game for them than Liverpool. Um, I'm going to go for two one Man City win. Two one Man City, Mick. What are you thinking? I'll go for two all. Trust Liverpool to to keep the the run going. Well, whatever run they're on, I'll go. Uh, I'll go two one to Liverpool just so that one of us is bound to be right. <laughs> At least well, with the result, maybe not the score. They'll all draw. So. <laughs> <laughs> definitely the other one two free games this weekend are Chelsea against Sheffield United and Leicester against Wolves so first up Kevin uh, we get your score prediction for che- uh, Chelsea against Sheffield United uh, I'm going to go for a home win close enough game 2-1 to Chelsea yeah I it's like a that, tricky actually. one it's yeah it's, poor old Sheffield United seems to be playing alright but just can't get any results I agree with you I think it'll be 2-1 Sheffield United as well it's just I don't know when they're going to start getting off the board. And I think they've only one point so far this season. I'm going to fixtures as well. Yeah, what are you going for, Mick? 2-1 as well, yeah. 2-1 as well. So there we go. All three of us agree. That'll def- so it's definitely not going to be... Yeah, it'll definitely not be 2-1. So. <laughs> and then the last one we uh, haven't talked about yet, Leicester City against Wolves. Yeah, this is this is very evenly matched. Um, big win for Leicester. Um, Brendan Rodgers, like, you know, he's really... Like, He's really looking at more and more a top manager. Um, Wolves again. Whoever wins this is going to be probably second to the table. I I'm going to go for a score draw two all. Um, yeah, good game two all. Okay. I think Wolves might be, be, beat them. Leicester uh, Leicester seem to win one lose one. I think two one to Wolves. Um. What am I going to go with here? I think it'll be a draw as well. I might go just uh, one all rather than two all, but I think it's very hard to pick. They're two two really good informed sides, uh, yeah. but uh, it's a difficult one. But look at there are the picks. So you've gone for uh, Kevin Williams two one to Man City, 
one all or two all with Leicester and Wolves and yeah. two one Chelsea one, Sheffield United. Chelsea. Yeah. He goes, thanks a million, Kevin. Kevin, before we go, actually, we've had a couple of comments here asking about uh, Wexford GA over. The, I don't think we'll get to them. It's a bit cruel, actually, after everything that's gone on. I had on. my Wexford GA top on. It was <laughs> too warm. I took it off. Somewhere. That's a that's a fib as well. Vic is just trying to wind you up. <laughs> He's sick of all last will abuse. We were very unlucky. We were very unlucky the weekend. In the football, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Conditions were not didn't suit us. We're 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 top of the ground, man. Definitely. <laughs> See you next summer. Though. Summer hurling. <laughs> yeah, summer hurling is right. Thanks a million there to Kevin. We'll also be uh, brushing on some of the football games in the big shout this week because I'm doing it again on a special spoiler alert. I'll, uh, <laughs> they'll, be coming, they'll be popping their heads back up again in just a few minutes. But now it's time to chat about GAA because, Mick, it is another big weekend. Look, there's no point in even uh, trying to hype these up anymore because they're just going to get bigger and bigger from here on out. Yeah, it's, it's a consistently big weekend of GEA until Christmas. Let's yeah, just exactly. let's just take it as as red. Even if some games might not happen every now and then, and teams might have to kind of forfeit their place in the championship. Sadly, uh, there obviously is enough games to keep us going. Yeah, I'm just going through some of the games that are on this weekend to available to watch on Friday night. You've got Tipperary against Monaghan in the All Ireland Ladies Football Championship on TG Cahar on Saturday. You've got. Uh, Limerick against Tipperary in the Munster Football Championship. That's an RT News now. Cavan against Leitrim, or sorry, against Leitrim against Antrim. The victorious Cavan are playing in the Ulster Football Championship quarterfinal on BBC. Uh, you've got the All Ireland Hurling Championship qualifiers. You've got Clare against Leash on GA Go. Dublin against Cork on Sky Sport Sports Mix. You've also got the All Ireland Ladies Football Championship match of Kerry against Cork. Two Kerry Cork derbies uh, this weekend. That's on TG Cahar at 3 p.m. on Saturday. You've got the Leinster Football Championship Dublin against Westmead on Sky Sports Mix on Saturday at a quarter past six. And then on Sunday, Connacht Football Championship. Roscommon against Mayo on RTE. Fermanagh against Down in the Ulster Football Championship on BBC. Three games on Diego in the Leinster Football Championship. Longford against Leash. Wicklow against Mead. Offaly against Kildare. And then the Munster Football Championship. Cork against Kerry on RTE at 4pm. Mm-hmm. We also have Camogie matches that will be live on Facebook as well. So it is an absolutely packed weekend. Yeah, so everything kind of comes back to Cork versus Kerry for me in terms of bigger picture. But the beauty of all this is that there's a lot of beautiful, really interesting smaller pictures all around the place. You know, I think the I think the two Cork matches over the course of the weekend are probably the the two most significant, I suppose, because what will Cork do against Dublin in the in the hurling qualifier as well? Was that the real Cork we saw against Waterford? Or do they have something to bounce back? Because if they don't play better, they will lose to Dublin. I'm like uh, you know, I think yeah. this you know, I know we, we didn't really see a great Dublin performance until the last ten minutes against Kilkenny either, um, when they, you know, made that rather dramatic comeback. But they have the hurlers to damage Cork if Cork kind of like our soul lethargic again. So that's a really interesting kind of big picture thing in the hurling. And then Cork v. Kerry is always, you know, it's the 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 marquee monster match and you know it's our first time seeing Kerry and what are Cork gonna do. But it's funny when you were going through all the rest of them, you're thinking, God, there's a little nugget of fascination with almost every football fixture that's there. Definitely that's if you look at them like even like say Monster Football Championship, all right, Limerick and Tipperary are probably not going to win the Monster Championship. But Limerick have had a brilliant year. Tipperary are rejuvenated since uh, coming back after the lockdown in the last few weeks. So like that's just just as a, a story in itself as a nice one on Saturday. Obviously, the Cavan Antrim one, Cavan have to go back up that win now against Monaghan. There's so many, even you're talking about the Dublin-Cork uh, match in terms of the Cork perspective in the Hurland. Mm. There's two things I'm looking forward to. This one is Dublin, as they have an opportunity here to go out and beat Cork if they play, like you said, in the, in the last few minutes. Definitely, and also the yeah. fact that the Hurling Championship for me has kind of, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not making a decision on it yet because I'm kind of taking, there's two ways you can look at this. One, it's that there's too much scoring, the, especially with the wind and everything now as well. It's just kind of restart score, restart score. There's very little turnovers, very little drama in them so far. But then the other thing is maybe that, Fact, the factor that it wasn't actually straight knockout plays into that, whereas this weekend it is, so it makes it very different. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a fair enough point. I'd be quite 
down on some of the matches so far. And I have to say, Mark, I don't actually, do you know what? Can we just talk like really briefly? Is like you watch the Cavan match, you don't watch many championship Cavan matches at home um at the weekend at the weekend i was the same with declare and i don't know if there is a difference in football and hurling here but what i found in all the hurling matches especially that i've watched so far is i underestimated how big a deal the championship roar is i suppose you know what i mean it's like you watch league matches you watch even club matches and you're kind of used to them seeing kind of cavernous sort of dull enough environments a lot of shouting would be going on but less of a kind of a collective 30,000 and just there was some scores in but Limerick Tipperary Clare especially the Munster games that I've watched Waterford and, and Cork especially as well where you just would have seen a terrace erupt behind the goal where it went over and it has so much of it it depends on how I suppose how, how much people judge how much of an, a- an atmosphere has an effect on a game. But when you've been in those environments, they feel like they take on a life of their own. And, and that's nearly every match. Like, it's not this rare thing to happen. And yeah. I wonder is a lot of the the way hurling games are going and the way there isn't that geeing up is taken away from that kind of intensity and that pressure and, like, some of the shooting some of the like take out the storm that Limerick and Tip played in, where there's some uh, there was a few wides, and even then not that many. I don't think Tip had. I think Tip only had one wide in the game. They didn't shoot very much. Uh, you know the scoring has been unbelievable. Like the percentages of what like Limerick are hitting over and stuff like that is incredible. But I wonder if that's a different story if there's twenty thousand Tip fans behind the goal. Anyway, yeah. I don't know. I don't know whether you thought that the same. Watch, you know exactly what a Cavan Monaghan championship game feels like, and you're watching a very different thing with those frees and stuff like that in extra time. The only thing I think the Cavan Monaghan match there was like there was still a, a good atmosphere. I had you could just hear. You know, it's been picked up more. It, 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 probably because it was a derby, and just there was, and and you could hear like some of it was interesting. Like even top of Raymond Galligan. Uh, with his free at the very end the point to equalise it that Jerry Smith got um, to draw the game send it to extra time off the outside yeah. of his right boot I'm 90% sure it was 50th minute yeah it was uh, Raymond Galligan but I could be wrong but as the ball's coming to Jerry Smith you could hear Raymond Galligan shouting have a go Jerry have a go I think it, it could be I could be wrong it might not be Galligan but we talked about this in the podcast before about Galligan being kind of like a director of proceedings and uh, yeah, having, yeah, or, like, yeah. having possession and he's out way out the field just telling everyone when to go when to go so I presume it was him those kind of things are really interesting to hear and there was definitely there's an atmosphere because of just the actual drama of the, of the situation they're in like between either on the Monaghan side and begging equalizers or when Gallagher puts them ahead so because there was none of that drama in the latter stages of the Horla matches bar mm. the Dublin Kilkenny one it probably lacked it was probably even more noticeable that there was no crowd at those games you definitely obviously would miss them from the you know just a fist pump and score 20 minutes yeah. into the game or whatever but I don't know like from the club championships when they were played behind closed doors there was more entertaining than club championship games that were behind closed doors that were shown on t- television fair enough yeah, yeah 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 I'm, I, I suppose I, it's not the entertainment value I'm specifically talking about so much as I think the how much of an impact it has on the games you know, yeah. and, and, and the outcomes even. Like, you know, it's wonder, like, you know, certain teams would be more predisposed to and honestly the the idea of when when Tip got their goal on um Sunday to kind of in the second half to sit the the Noel McGrath pick up off the ground goal, does that G up a crowd so much that they rise to it and come back as opposed to Limerick just kind of like taking it in their stride. Now, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, Limerick are a borderline professional style team that you would, you know, that's, that's their, that's how good they are anyway. They probably would have taken it in their stride. But anyway, again, it's, it's just, it's just a question I think for people to see. It's, I personally, one of my personal takeaways from the first two weeks of championship action is I think I underestimated how, big a deal that championship sound very different to a crowd at a game specific you know it's like a a monster championship sound say for example is and then being in hundreds of them over the years how they can take on lives of their own yeah i wonder does it actually in hurling have a bigger effect on the amount of hooks and blocks yes and that's where you know the i word mark 
intensity. <laughs> I don't want. To, I didn't want to say it, but you went. You went there. Uh, but that kind of like that. It's not actually the crowd gene on to get the score because there's like obviously some fantastic scoring so far in the championship. It's more the the lift and the boost to get you to to make that big hit or the big block or the big hook or whatever it is. That might be where actually it's uh, most found most lacking. Uh, but look at hopefully this weekend we're going to see some better games. Uh, in the hurling championship with those two given that a straight knockout the football get matches as you mentioned Cork and Kerry is the big one but also Roscommon and Mayo Roscommon and Mayo could be yes. the game sorry the I actually overlooked that for a second there sorry yeah Roscommon and Mayo is arguably bigger because you would expect so Kerry Kerry are a level above Cork they're a yeah. division above you know almost like whereas Monaghan and Mayo or Monaghan and Mayo and Roscommon Mark given what we've seen in, from Roscommon and Connacht in the last few years you know Unbelievable, but I, I actually think one of the things to look out for in that game as well is uh, Mayo in particular, if they come through it, if they come through a close game, I very, very, very much wonder how beneficial it is for them to go and meet a cold Galway in the yeah. Connacht final who want to play that game and Mayo will have played a warm-up against Leitrim, a really big game against Roscommon and then are they tired or are they flying? by the time they come to meet Galway. You know, Roscommon, it's a similar situation because they'll have the Mayo game, like, but they won't have the two. But even so, yeah. I think for both of them, I think they're at an advantage, actually, against Galway. Like, the two teams that I'm really interested going into this championship to see what effect the last couple of weeks have had on them are Roscommon and Kildare. Because both of them have obviously had a good, like, albeit Kildare didn't get promoted from Division 2, but they won their two games since they came back from the lockdown in March, we were talking about them getting relegated, like so. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. like Kildare against Offaly as well as uh, that's the type of the exact type of game that um, that Kildare, like the old Kildare, could like you know could come unstuck. To, you know when they got beaten by Carlo in the championship, uh, so that's kind of an interest that's going to tell the tale with them. And like I mentioned, Roscommon, what are like how just how good are Roscommon? Because they won, and not only did they win their two games since they came back, they beat Cam with half a team. So. You know, if they have everybody back and they're ready to go here, this could be an absolute massive match. That's at half one on Sunday. Briefly, Mick, just before we go, we didn't really mention uh, Claire and Leash there. Yeah, uh, it's one that, albeit Leash, well beaten um, so far in the championship. The Claire again, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like with the Cork one. If Claire don't get their act together. This could be a dangerous one for them. It's hard to know if Leash have the performances of last year of the Dublin game, everything they did in the John McDonough and Dublin game, and then their performance against Tip. It's hard to know if they have that in them. They survived in Division One in the hurling. That might have been their probably their uh, their uh, motive at this motivation at the start of the year. Like. I can't see Claire having a, a massive problem based on, again, maybe that's just based on previous meetings over years against Leash and that's not fair on the current team. But again, like Claire would want to step up the performance for a variety of reasons. One, to get past Leash and two, to say that you're meeting Tipper Wexford in the next round and, you know, unlikely to beat either of those teams unless they significantly improve from what, uh, what they did against Limerick. I'm going to pause the GA conversation there for a second because it is time for a big shout. All right, hold it! David. Just hold it, Alan! Push him out! Steady! David, don't! Get round! No, no, don't! Bloody! Yes, big shout time. Your chance to win two cakes in a sports biography by correctly sending us in a prediction that is 25 to 1 or greater in Labrooks this weekend. And if it comes off, you'll win yourself that very, very special prize of two cakes and a sports biography of your choosing. Anyone you want, as long as we have it in the office or whatever in you call the it, office. virtual office. <laughs> I can't even remember what ones are in the in office my house. at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, Mark, you're having another go this week, even though you failed last week. Yes, I was yeah. close last week. And right, the reason yeah, for that it. is, I think it's important to inform our loyal listeners that it's technically, on air anyway, your last chance to win two cakes in a sports biography. You can email in every week like everybody else, but you are uh, sadly and uh, regrettably, from from our point of view, uh, departing uh, both the build-up and Balls Media. And uh, you've got one more chance to win yourself two cakes of sports biography, something you haven't been able to do in, I think we're coming up on two years now. 
I know to be fair, it's a year and two months. Uh, so that's a bit Couple of an exaggeration. <laughs> But yeah, really, I'm still going. I'm still going to be playing the big show from home. I'll be sending in my email, and I'm going to demand that I be brought on air should I ever win it. But this is my last. Yeah, you're always welcome. Technically, Please. my last opportunity uh, to in a presenter role anyway to go with this. Okay, I have a question. Look, uh, you're 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 leaving us. You're you're not gone off to a rival company or anything like that. Uh, the uh, uh, relations are still positive and good, at least for now. Uh, we'll see how we get on if you start demanding two cakes in the sports biography office or something like that. But you know, will you agree to come on air one last time next week if you somehow manage to finally win two cakes in the sports biography? Absolutely. Okay. But now I have on that note, I do have a demand, and that is that I'm not Johnny Cake. So should I win the two cakes in sports geography? I want both of them to be. Uh, anyone who's watching the Great British Bake Off last night would know what I'm talking about. I want ice cream cakes, and specifically Romantica ice cream cakes, and I want them delivered in their frozen state. I don't want them melted or anything coming to my door. I want two Romantica ice cream cakes. Okay, that's winning for prime condition. Let's go. I will agree that a Romantica is at least somewhat close to. It resembles a cake enough for you to uh, do that. I don't know if the winner of a two cake sports biography has technical power over what cakes they receive, but uh, for you, Mark anything uh so let's go and win the feckin thing now right here we go we just talked about uh, some of the GA games we talked about Kildare and Offaly I think Kildare look really good they're minus four on the handicap and labbrooks.com so if Kildare to beat the handicap that's the first one on my big shout right right then Cork against Dublin in the hurling we uh touched with it on this that it's a really important game for Cork I'm sticking with them I've got uh faith uh, faith in Cork winning this they're two to one on to win it uh so I'm going with Cork to beat Dublin I was looking oh, elsewhere. Money line. Yeah, just okay, to win. Yeah, it was I one it was one there, to yeah. it was one to get me over the twenty five to one marker here. I was looking at all the other GAA games. There's not an awful lot of uh value that I was uh I was confident on. Some people might know a bit more about uh Limerick and Tipperary. Limerick are five to two, Tipperary are five to two on. Um there's ones like say Dublin obviously against Westmead are one to a hundred. You're not probably looking at that from uh betting point of view but it is an interesting game because it's Desi Farrell's first championship match isn't yeah. going to do anything different uh, it's it's kind of it's just interesting for the sake of seeing what way Dublin set up more so than the, and, and maybe who knows maybe knockout football maybe Westmead will go and uh, well, do something well this is it I don't think it's something we can expect for but I do think it's finally something like I've been avoiding Dublin Leinster championship matches like the plague for years now I remember going to when when they drew the hurlers drew with Galway and Crow Park and they played Longford in the main event afterwards. I remember thinking, I sure will enjoy this. One of the lads was home and he went literally came from the airport straight to Crow Park and it was seven or eight of us there. And we were like, oh, we'll have a great old day. It was so boring. We left at halftime and went to Gills. <laughs> like they were winning by about 27 points. Um, so look, I mean, Dublin Lens Championship matches aren't known for their excitement, but I think there is a few little things in there, like the, this new players, lack of players, new manager, the fact that Westmead are one of the strongest teams they can meet in this particular, uh, you know, uh, division or province is probably a more accurate word. <laughs> you know, it, you're talking Mead, Westmead, Kildare, uh, probably ahead of everybody else, Leash as well. Um, there's a few things to watch out for. Dublin are totally going to win. But like, is this team a real six in a row thing? Like these things end very quickly, Mark, you know, and especially yeah. in a random knockout year where there's no soup rates or anything like that. It could go against Dublin this year I don't think it will Saturday but I'll be deaf I think do you know when you're watching John King standing at the magic wall at the American election and you're looking at it's only there's only 47 votes in but he's like oh watch uh, this county here because if he doesn't win this by 70% then he's in real trouble that's the kind of thing for Dublin if Dublin don't rack up the, the kind of performance that they normally do in first round yeah. Lens Championships against Westmead you could be just thinking for later in the year is something a bit different here yeah, if you do fancy us, me, they're 14 to 1 on labrooks.com. The I other don't. two big games at the weekend, obviously, <laughs> is, uh, as you mentioned already in the GA section, Roscommon against Mayo Roscommon are 2 to 1, and Cork are 9 to 2 against Kerry, if you're looking at an outsider there. But that's it Ooh, for me Cork and GA. I'm gone. So they're two of my, it's a five fold accumulator I've got here. So uh, they're minus four and Cork to beat Dublin. Yep. And then looking to the Premier League, Crystal Palace against Leeds. I'm going for under two and a half goals in this um, so the David Hopkins derby 
David Hopkins Derby. <laughs> that's good. Who else is there? No, let's not get let's not get sidetracked with that. <laughs> that's the first person to come into my head, Mark, and hopefully the last. <laughs> David Hopkin, I think. <laughs> and is, did he play for Crystal Palace? I'm almost sure he did. He was when they had those luminous kind of like really tin striped jerseys in the late nineties. Would I be right in saying he's the current manager of Bradford? Really? Well, David I, Hopkins I presume Stuart was a, McCall is. He normally is. David Hopkins uh, is a musician from, uh, from Dublin. David Hopkins played for Leeds. Uh, he played for Crystal Palace. Yes. They're dead right. He, played for, he went from Crystal Palace to Leeds in 1997. He was the manager of Bradford City uh, up until 2019 and is now the manager of Greenock Morton. Uh, who are in the Scottish Championship. So there you go. There's your David Hopkins uh, fact file. So who do you think is going to win this fact? <laughs> I don't know who's going he to win it, but it's going to be... Crystal Palace in 2001, by the way, I see there. It's going to be under two and a half goals. Crystal Palace are... Uh, they're doing really well this season, but they're winning games with maybe one shot on target <laughs> and uh, parking the bus. Leeds... Leeds are struggling to break down... The, and they have struggled to break down teams. Even the Championship last year, they're winning games 1-0 an awful lot um, because teams would park the bus against them and they take a while to break them down. Crystal Palace don't pose the same threat that Leicester City do on the counter-attack so I don't think this is going to be like where Leicester City had two goals in about the first five minutes it was like, jeez, this could be ten here for Leeds. Uh, so I think this is going to be a low-scoring game under two and a half goals and then I'm moving on to the two uh, two games the two big ones that we're going to have already talked about. Arsenal against Aston Villa I'm going for Arsenal to beat Villa sorry about that Mick and Man City against Liverpool Liverpool to beat Man City, as I mentioned when we were chatting to Kevin Dyer earlier on. That brings me to a total of just over 27, basically 27 to 1 on the nose. Okay. I don't mind that bet at all, actually. I, don't, I, I didn't go for City to beat Liverpool, as you know, but I don't think it's impossible. And I think the rest of them all look very good. There you go. This could be it. Imagine what, what sort of... Uh, well, if all the stars aligned and I finally win it. Uh, this, after, like, I felt... Just as confident about it this time last week, and it all opened my face. Uh, Claire were responsible for that mostly, Mick. Um, yeah, now it was two things worked against you, Mark, and you think you only had four bets, so it wasn't as close as you think it was. <laughs> Have you any argument for me again that Villa will get a result against Arsenal? Uh, no, I think there's a big chance Villa will. I mean, the league is so weird this year uh, in many, many different ways. Uh, but at the same time, and they did play, they did play them and beat them. Uh, you know, at the end of last season, there's also Arsenal's famous inconsistency. I'm just saying that if I was to pick a result off the top of my head, uh, you know, I'm probably going to pick Arsenal. But you know, you're talking 35 percent as opposed to the 33 that they're yeah, automatically that game given. Is, that's the that's the last game on Sunday as well, like yeah. quarter past seven. So this uh, big shout is going to span the entire weekend. To keep Which was the same time that Villa beat. Uh, Liverpool seven two, so maybe that's a maybe that's a, and they beat Leicester the following week in the same in the same slot. So maybe it's a, that's Villa's magic slot for the year. Maybe make us just clutching the straws. But anyway, that would be the, yeah. that would be the end of our big shout run. But that will not be the end of everything uh, that we have uh, talked about on this podcast. Because then the NFL will just be getting into the swing of things, and it's time for your NFL picks, Mick. NFL picks time, Mick. You did not have a good week last week. You're, after we acknowledge the fact that you were having a great start to the season, it's gone downhill. Yeah, it's very hard this time of year, to be honest. I think like, the spreads get, it's like even when I was picking this week's one, the spreads get very difficult because the teams have been figured out a little bit. And it turns out that these bookmakers kind of know what they're doing. Um, oh, you know, and, and look, to be honest, there are other ways of doing it. You look, Ladbrokes in particular have amazing selection of, you know, picks that you can make so if I think right uh you know the Seattle are minus three this week but I think I definitely think they'll win the game but I don't know how you know or whatever you can kind of change that and do minus one but different odds I tried to keep it to the standard one just because it's basically it's a it's a threefold accumulator which works out around six to one if you kind of take the standard handicap but there are loads of other ways of doing it on the standard handicap this week these few weeks of the season the middle weeks are the most difficult because everything is figured out at this stage um but Look, I was actually unlucky last week. You know, I had a win in Denver, which was mad. Like, I mean, the the Chargers lost. Like, I went to sleep, actually, and somehow threw away a 20-point lead. 
But uh, overall, I think I kind of had picked so that one they. somewhat right. <laughs> and that's tends to be what the Chargers do, though, is one of the reasons I picked against them. And then, as I said earlier in the show with the Patriots, like, I mean, I kind of, it was the first time I've gone against them. I really did feel like they'd lose the game. They did. They lost it by three. The handicap was four, you know, whatever. And then Dalvin Cook went absolutely bananas in the uh, Vikings and Packers game that nobody, like, I mean, that was insane. That was one player beat the Packers basically on his own. So, you know, it wasn't the greatest week in the world. Uh, not on the greatest run. I think I'm one and five for the last uh, two weeks, having been five and one for the previous uh, two. So let's get back on track this week, shall we? Yeah, go on. Go I'm first. looking for AFC West battle. The Las Vegas Raiders are in their former home, one of their many former homes of Los Angeles to face the uh, LA Chargers, the aforementioned Chargers who threw away that big lead last week. Chargers have a tradition now going back about six or seven years of losing games so like out of, like when it's easier to win um and it's becoming like ridiculous frankly uh the raiders are up and down a little bit this year i've been impressed with them sometimes not always but i do kind of fancy them here they're plus one and a half on the road i think they'll win the game plus one and a half is actually generous i thought they might be favored for it that's kind of what i have to look for is if i think a good team is favored see that they're underdog they're the kind of that's the one you have to jump on for these kind of picks you won't win them all but you win a few of them um another team then on the road this week is the bills i thought the bills weren't that good against the patriots to be honest despite beating them it's not the greatest patriots team in the world they also weren't that great against the jets the week before jets are the worst team in the nfl so it's a kind of a downward trajectory for them. They've got Seattle Seahawks, probably one of the top two or three most impressive teams in the NFL so far this year. They've got them coming to Buffalo this week. They're three-point underdogs. I understand that because Seattle have the entire country to travel for this game. However, I do think there are, there's no real crowds anymore or anything like that. Home, home field isn't what it was. As you know, we've been we, we we've talked about. Um, so I think that uh, Seattle will beat that spread of three points. So I'm going for Seattle minus three there. And then finally, a bit of a risky one is the Tennessee Titans are minus five and a half at home to the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears lost to the, the both teams lost last week, but the Titans lost to the Bengals, which was a real surprise. They'd been going really well uh, this season. They were really unlucky to lose their first game to the Steelers. Then they go and lose to the Bengals, but they have to get it back on track this week, or else they're kind of they're in trouble. And I think they will. And I think minus five and a half is a big enough spread against a team as good as the Bears with a good defense. But I think they'll win it by a touchdown. So Raiders plus one point five, Seattle minus three, and Tennessee minus five and a half. There you have it. Hopefully that's uh, the most interesting thing we'll be looking to America for this weekend, Mick. Uh, <laughs> enjoy your also, event. if you want to go... <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, God. Let's not talk about that, Mark, please, if that's okay. <laughs> that is it from us uh, today. Thank you very much for listening. You can subscribe to the podcast by searching the build-up on Balls.de and all good podcasts apps please leave a rating and a review while you're there as well if you are having a bet this weekend please do gamble responsibly you can visit dunlouis.net for more information enjoy the sporting weekend very much and mind yourself mind yourself Mark thank you Vic <laughs>